We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. All right, today we're here with a special guest. You'll probably know him. We're really excited to have him on. It's Eric Davis, two-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro Safety. But Giants fans, you should remember him best for the role he played in stopping the evil empire, Dallas Cowboys, from potentially winning that 1994 Super Bowl. Davis was a pivotal player in that 94 championship game versus the Cowboys with the Niners when he made those two key plays early in the game, the 44-yard pick six. Everyone remembers that one. That was the third-player scrimmage. But don't forget the forced fumble on Michael Irvin led to another Niners touchdown. So automatically, he's a friend of the show with us just based on that. We're really excited today to have him in, talk some football. 49ers on tap this week for the Giants. Eric, co-host of Believe Network podcast. He's also founder of the Athlete Brand Guard brand. So let's get into that first. Eric, tell us a little bit about your work with the Believe Network and with Athlete Brand Guard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll get into um, the Believe Network and Believe in 49ers more as we talk football, because that's what that's all about. Uh, but Athlete Brand Guard is something that I'm a part of. I'm really proud of. Um, and, and it's something that's just moving forward. Every single day, uh, there's something that happens to an athlete that affects their career. Now, we always think of um, pro careers, but realize that every student athlete um, is going to be a professional somethings one day. You got to get a job. 
So you're going to, at some point, be a professional getting paid to do that job. And the things you do as a student athlete, male or female, they can follow you throughout life. And that's what that's what Athlete Brand Guard is, is about. It's about uh, teaching athletes, young athletes, parents, coaches, uh, life skills, sports etiquette, decision making. Uh, that's what Athlete Brand Guard was put together. Myself, Mark Watts. Uh, we put years of time into this. We've dealt with um, academia. Uh, we put together this core curriculum that can be presented in a face-to-face -face lecture in front of coaches, teams, parents, um, athletes, from, as I said, from the student athlete, middle school, up to professionals. And the, the goal of it is to get guys to understand, men and women to understand that as a professional athlete, as an amateur athlete, you are in a reality television show. And the things that you do, unlike the Kardashians, is going to get cut off. But as you know, the, the, the camera gets cut off for the Kardashians. As an athlete, the camera's never cut off. So you live this all the time because every person has a cell phone now. Everyone's a reporter. Everyone can talk about the things that you do, and they affect you throughout life. So it's about understanding the dynamics of where you are, how to deal with the media, how to take advantage of the fact that these young athletes that are going to be able to, to make money off of their images down the road. Um, it's, that's about to become a rule here. So how do you take advantage of the position that you're in not only if you become an athlete, a professional athlete, but as a student athlete, taking advantage of the situation, the people that you can meet, um, the the everything that's being afforded to you in, in that time. We want to make certain that you understand that, use it wisely and set yourself up for success in the future. So you can go to athletebrandguard.com and get more details on it. Uh, but it is something that I think that the parents of athletes, coaches, administrators, and that's who we're dealing with at all level um, from middle school to colleges. We're already involved with them, dealing with them. Um, and it's it's all about understanding, as I said, the, the landscape that you're in and how to be successful in it. Now let's talk some football. All right, Eric, let's talk some football. I like that, though. I mean, it really is important for all of these young kids growing up to understand that. Your brand is extremely important to who you are and who you are going to be and how, how people perceive you, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, makes a big difference in this world. So, But let's talk some football, and I want to start with the offensive side of the ball for the Giants against the defensive side of the ball for the 49ers. So the Giants so far have kept things very simple for second-year quarterback Daniel Jones in his first two games. It's in a new system, his third in three years now for Jones. It's been a lot of slant-flat combos, a lot of the quick game stuff. So assuming we'll see more of that Sunday. How does that style of offense fit up against what Robert Salah likes to do on the defensive side of the ball? Um, well, the, what Robert's going to try and do is utilize his front four and and try to make someone get the ball out. That's what he wants to do. You, all right, and I think that's actually the type of offense that you want to run against him. If, if a quarterback's going to hold on to the ball, he's going to get his ear hole smashed a lot. Um, that's that's how that team, even with the injuries, they're designed to get to the quarterback with their bigs up front. Uh, so getting the ball out and and having the easy reads, getting the ball out quickly and making them tackle on the back end of it is actually an effective way to attack the defense. Eric Jones has notoriously found considerably more success against man coverages than zone thus far in his career. It's 
kind of like night and day, I guess you could say. But the 49ers, I know they do a lot of zone, but what do you expect? How do you think Robert Sala will call the back end of this defense since there are so many injuries on the front end of the defense with Nick Bosa, D. Ford, and Solomon Thomas? Uh, well, I think he's going to have to play more man coverage um, because I think, uh, you know what, let me put it this way. It's going, to, it's going to be how the reserves get pressure. Sala wants to play combination coverages in the back end. Um, it's rare that they play man-to-man across the board. He will mix up his scheme to where, you know, half of the field, half of the rotation is man, half of the rotation is zone. He does a lot more of that. Uh, because the DBs that he has, they they are they are trained to trigger uh, and and read coverages and and read schemes. So that's that's what he's doing. That's what he likes to do. I think he's going to have to play a little bit more man coverage to help create some pressure if if he's not getting it from the reserves that are going to come in. But with that being said, you guys just called it. Um, we can all see it that uh, Jones is. Uh, he he has a little bit more difficulty reading um, zone defenses. Actually, every quarterback does, but especially young quarterbacks. We all know that young quarterbacks are going to have a hard time trying to figure out the combination coverages and things like that. So you make them have to make those decisions. I think Salah is going to do that still. It, it, you know, you just look at it until someone shows you that the, the league is really a copycat league. Until someone shows you that they can effectively um, beat the things that have given them trouble in the past until they show you that they've gotten over that hurdle. You're going to see it again, man. It's like when a guy, you know, when a guy gets called a fumbler, that's the worst thing you want to be when you're running back, because now everybody is going to try. You fumble because everybody is now trying to make you fumble because you're labeled a fumble fumbler. So if you are labeled as a quarterback that has difficulty with um, zone coverages, you're going to see them. So I, I expect Sala to do that. And the only thing that'll make him change, I, I believe, is if they're just simply getting no pressure out of their front. And that's really what this defense is designed to do. That's why the 49ers have 179 defensive linemen. Now let's take a quick break to hear a word from our lovely sponsors here at Blue Wire. Visa knows the local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether they're our corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name. Always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So, now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contact list symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 
3 million businesses. That's a lot of businesses, ladies and gentlemen. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. This is their best offer available anywhere. And that means anywhere. You can go to Mars. Yeah, that's anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. But um, I wanted to ask you about Akella Witherspoon and Emmanuel Mosley. How are these uh, corners in relief of a players like Richard Sherman, who have been injured? I know Jason Barrett is another player that has been dealing with injury. Are those players, are those players uh, do you think they match up well against wide receivers like Darius Slayton and even Golden Tate? Um, I think they can match up well against these guys. Uh, both of the guys, young players, they, they just need, they just need reps. They need snaps. Um, I'm not even going to try to compare them to, um, a healthy Verrett or a healthy Richard Sherman, because those guys just, you know, just more snaps, a higher level, the, the level that they've played at. But as far as E-Man and Spoon, both of these guys are very, very capable they're very, very capable of making plays. Uh, everything that you want, uh, you know, length, speed, fast twitch, they have all of it. It's just a question of confidence in making plays. Um, and that comes from doing and being out there. So do, do they match up? Yes. The, the, as far as their playmaking ability outside of the numbers, yes, they they are capable of do, doing that. But now we, we've already discussed the fact that this isn't, this isn't a matchup defense, right? So you're, they're really not you, they're really not going against these wide receivers. It, they're more so manning the guy within their area, uh, and they are definitely capable of doing that. But both of the guys need to get a little bit more. I was literally watching the film before we got on. I was watching um, the Giants tape, and then I watched the Niners uh, again. And uh, there are just things on on there where you see both. Witherspoon and E-Man, you see times where the recognition is a little slower. That's the difference between those veteran guys and the younger players. They they figure it out, but you're half step behind. So the play that you could have made turns into a good play instead of a great play. Or the the play that could have been a good play turns into a not so good play because you're a step behind. That's where they are right now. Uh, but I personally think that they're going to grow in, into being pretty good players. I, I think both of them have the talent to do it. It's just a question of it's a question of their heads, and we've all seen that. You you know when a guy gets in his head, um, you, the ability doesn't matter if you are if you are confused about what it is you're doing, and um, you're worried about making a mistake. And that's where I think they both are right now. Uh, the ability is there, but they're so so concerned with not making a mistake. Sometimes it prevents them from making the play. So that's, that's what you have to take advantage of. If you're the giants, you have to take advantage of that youth. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I think it resonates. That last point especially resonates really well with giants fans because last year 
They had a first-round pick in there, DeAndre Baker, who obviously has had some off-field concerns and is no longer with the team. But he was a guy who pretty much dominated SEC play and man covered for two straight seasons and then was lost out there because he was overthinking it. And it was a complicated defense using a lot of pattern match and different coverages that he just wasn't used to and wasn't ready to play. And it seemed like you could tell his confidence went down. The Giants have a lot of young guys back there, but then you watch James Bradbury, the guy they brought in from Carolina, and he's out there playing some of the best football, I think, in the league right now. So it just shows the difference with a player who's confident versus a player who's kind of still second-guessing himself. But I wanted to Bradbury's a good player, too. I like Bradbury. Oh, yeah. Very yeah, good player. I was shocked that the that uh, Carolina let him go. He actually was a bit surprising because it's not like Carolina has the best secondary over there without him. No. And I and I personally think I think I thought Bradbury was one of the better corners that they've had there in Carolina hell since I was there. So yeah. I, I was shocked that that would happen. You, you're right. And it's not like it's not like that they're they're lighting it up right now. But um, oh, well, that's that's, um, you know, the Giants game. Yep, nature of the business, and the Giants really needed him, especially after Baker. But I want to touch on something you mentioned earlier when it comes to, you know, you get this reputation. Daniel Jones has this reputation right now as a fumbling quarterback, and I think teams have taken advantage of that. He's had really a record number of fumbles. Obviously, he's a young quarterback, and the fumbles, by the way, carried over from Duke. It wasn't an issue there. But overall, Mm -hmm. my question for you would be, from what you've seen so far, again, 15th career start, three different systems the last three years, do you see a potential franchise quarterback in Jones long-term? Do you see some drawbacks that might lead the Giants to maybe want to go in a different direction there? Um, well, does he is he capable of making plays? He's mobile enough. Um, he's shown poise. You watch him stand in the pocket. He can throw, he can throw the deep comebacks. He can push the ball down the field, get it where it needs to be. Um I, I think it's important to be able to push the ball down the field because the rules allow you now to have free it's free game in the middle of the field. You can't touch anyone without it being a penalty. So you need a quarterback that can push it down the field. That he can do. Um, he's mobile enough. You have to be mobile. Defensive linemen are just too fast now. So you have to be able to avoid the rush. You can't expect your offensive line to hold up and take care of a statue in the middle of the pocket anymore. He has that. Um, you, he has, well, he lost his running back, but he'll be back. He has a running back behind him. So all the things that he needs to be successful, he has, because remember, everyone always talks about this franchise quarterback. Does, does the guy have the ability to be a franchise quarterback? That's based on what's around him. Does the organization is, is the organization smart enough to put the pieces together together in time enough for him to be successful? That's the issue. It's not, it's not Daniel Jones. Does he, is, is he talented enough to play quarterback in the NFL? Yes, we see that. Success is not based on his talent. Success is based on the, uh, based on the other individuals uh, living up to their obligation. Because understand this, as a player... There are only two things that matter. Not my love for the game. The game doesn't love you back, so it doesn't matter how much you love it. The only thing that matters is commitment and obligation. Um, And by obligation, you have to understand that I am obligated to do my job at the absolute highest level so that the person next to me, the other 10 guys in the huddle, are not wasting energy worrying about whether or not I can do my job, and it takes away from theirs. So that's what you're obligated to put in that time. Doesn't matter how you feel. Doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter if the wife is mad at you, if the dog bit you, if you hate the coach, if the fans are booing. It doesn't matter. 
doesn't matter if you don't like your contract, you are obligated when you cross that line to do your job. And the only other thing that matters is commitment. Are you committed enough to put in the time, to put in the effort, to watch the film, to lift the weights, to do the studying, um, to, to, to deal with the critiquing from the coaches and the pressure from the press and all these things? Are you committed enough to put in and live through all of that and fight through all of that hard enough so that you can live up and establish the live up to the obligation and establish the standard that's necessary to win. So that's about that's so it's not just Daniel Jones. He has to, he has to live up to his obligation. He has the talent to do it. Are you going to put other guys around me as a player with that mindset to be able to accomplish that? That's how you win. See, te teams always everyone always thinks it's about a new head coach. It's about getting that that quarterback, the franchise quarterback. You got to have that that bookend tackle. You got to get that pass rusher. We got to get that all pro safety. It's always this one something. If we just change the scheme. No, it's not about that. It's about one particular thing. Philosophy. What is your philosophy? What do you think that it, it takes to win? How do you plan on winning? And then building a locker room that got with guys that understand that this is your philosophy and this is how you win. So um, that was the long answer to does Daniel Jones have, does he have what it takes um, to be a franchise quarterback? Yes, that, that, that's talent. Does he, because it's just, do you have the talent to play quarterback in the NFL? That he does. Now, what are you going to put around him? That's been the Giants issue the last five, six, seven years. <laughs> well, a little it's, bit longer than that, especially if you're just specifically talking about the offensive line. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, so, I mean, we can, we can look at it and you can point out it, it's about what, what have you put together for these guys to be successful? Right. And if you're not doing that, and it's, it's, if we're sitting here, if I sit here and look at it and say, okay, my offensive line is horrible. Um, but my philosophy is I, I want to run the ball and play good defense. Are you really giving your quarterback a chance to be successful? Because, okay, you can draft this guy that can throw the ball for 500 yards a game. But if your team philosophy is to run the ball and play good defense, it still, it doesn't matter. Because, yes, he has this talent to be successful, but you're building your team in a different manner. So if, if you're trying to say we're a running team, but your offensive line sucks, it's going to be difficult for you to run the ball. It's going to be difficult for you to be successful because that's your philosophy. So you have to put all these things together and work the quarterback along with whatever that philosophy is. Uh, because, yeah, you're always going to go for the talented guy that can throw the ball for 500 yards, whether you need him to do it or not. Case in point, Troy Aikman. Tro Troy Aikman could have thrown the ball for 400 yards a game. He, yeah. he was good enough. But that wasn't what they wanted to do. Run the ball, play good defense. It won him three Super Bowls. Right. So that's, what, that's, so that's the thing with Daniel Jones. It's, um, it's, it's, more, it's more than just him. He has talent. But, you know, but there are a lot of quarterbacks in the league that have talent. There are some that suck, too, but that are playing. But, you know, he, he, he has talent to do it. it it's more, but 
you you got to you got to put more around it. And, and some of that is organizational. It's not locker room. And there are a ton of examples of that. I mean, you could look over at the crosstown rival New York Jets and look at Sam Darnold's current situation. That's not exactly materializing as he would have hoped with the, I guess you could say, lack of quote unquote talent that they surrounded Sam Darnold with. But I wanted yeah. to touch on the Giants offensive line. So they have a converted tackle in his third start at center right now. And I felt like his name is Nick Gates. I felt like yep. he struggled a lot in week one, but I felt like he played a lot better this past game. And I want your opinion on this, Eric. How concerned should us Giant fans be with Javon Kinlaw against Nick Gates? Um, well, Kinlaw is Kinlaw is a he's a very powerful man. He's a powerful man, heavy hands. Um, he plays angry, strong. Um you know, stronger than most rookies coming in, but he's learning. He's learning. Uh, he's a work in progress. He, he's getting better and better for a rookie defensive tackle. I think he's playing very well. Um, there are a lot of, so expect him to come in and play well, hold the point. He's a heavy guy. He's quicker. I mean, he's, he's a, a large man, three thirty something. Um, but he moves, um, extremely well, good feet, um, good with his hands. He's been working. You can see that he got into the lab with with um, you know Bosa and D Ford, and and you can see his hands. His pass rush moves have already gotten better because he wasn't a good pass rusher in college, but they didn't ask him to do that. Right. But he's learning how to play the game. I do. I expect him, and, and should you expect him to come in and dominate? Uh, no, he's not about to come in and be Warren Sapp this week or, uh, you know, Reggie White or, or Bryant Young, for that matter, that was with the 49 He's not going to come in and be that guy. Uh, but is he going to be a problem? Yes. He's a hard man to move, and, and he's, he's been playing well. So when you get it, he and Daniel Jones um, in there, um, you know, I'm expecting Armstead to, to um, move around a little bit more. I, I would I would expect Sala to try to take advantage of some of that because like you know like we all know when you get someone shifting positions and we know the easiest way to hit the quarterback in the beak is right through the a gaps so yep. you know you're gonna that center is gonna get attacked and don't be shocked like I said they, they're gonna have to create pressure I kind of see them util, utilizing their linebackers that are very good I, I kind of utilize see them utilizing those guys on some of those A-gap, B-gap blitzes this oh. week. Speaking of those linebackers, I know you said, you know, don't expect Kinlaw to come in and be Warren Sapp, but one player I think Giants fans should expect to come in and be that difference-making, game-changing player. And it's a funny player with us because Giants fans on Twitter always always have this long-time joke with me because it was a player I thought was really one of the most underrated prospects in the draft class. I was stunned that the Giants really seemed to have no interest in him, and they, they always bring it back to me because I act like he was God's gift in that draft, and that's Fred Warner, who the yeah. you know, steady drumbeat came with him at first. Oh, he's just this great coverage linebacker with a lot of athleticism in the next level. Type of player the Giants don't even consider in the drafts, it seems like, over the last 10 years. And now it seems like he's taking that next step toward being even more than just that coverage athletic linebacker the second level. From what I'm hearing he's really becoming that elite second-level defender right now. Are you seeing that as well out of Fred Warner? Hey, man, he's a damn dude. I've seen it from day one. Yeah. Fred right. Warner, I, I say it all the time. My, my saying for him, my expression for him is that Fred Warner hunts wisely. That's all I ever say. He hunts wisely. 
He's always out there. He's one of those sharks, and they have some sharks on that defense. They're always searching for a meal, but he doesn't waste energy. He shows up. He diagnoses things. He shows up um, in big play mode. He does all, all the little things. That obligation I was talking about earlier, he understands that I have a job to do, and he's going to do his job all the time, but he expects to make the big play. He works himself into position, and, and he's that way every single day. That's the way he approaches the game. Where he, so it's not a shock to him to be in position to finish. He expects to finish and, and make the big plays. And, yes, he, he has kind of morphed into one of those guys because you look at him and he's a long guy. And, and, and you don't con- people don't consider – you look at him and coming out, I'm sure they were like, well, this guy can't be a middle backer. He's not a thumper. He's, he, he doesn't have that thick body type like that. Um, the game has changed tremendously. And he's stronger and stouter than anyone gave him credit for. But with all that range, that length, he's able to make plays in the passing game that a whole lot of guys can't make. I, I mean, this guy can cover receivers that that DBs have problems with down the field. But that length helps him out tremendously with his understanding of the defense and where he needs to be and where the holes are. So yeah, I'm I'm a big big Fred Warner fan. Big, um, th- th- he's as good as any linebacker. You can pick your poison and say who's the best and and all of this. It's it's based on scheme. It's based on players around you. How good you can be. But Fred Warner is as good as any linebacker in the NFL. So um, yeah, the, he's just and and he's just getting better and better. Yeah. And and that's it. I saw the growth of him last season. You saw him. He, he was a better player um, at the end of the season than he was at the beginning, and he's just continuing that right now. He's just growing every week. No doubt about it, Eric, and that's a third-round pick, by the way. That's finding gold. When you find a third-rounder who can really, at this point, be considered one of the better inside backers in the league, better second-level defenders in the league, however you want to say it, it it's good stuff. Well, see, I think you're supposed to. See, I, I think it, it's funny how people look at that. First rounders, second rounders, third rounders, anyone you draft in the first, second, or third round, you're expecting them to be a starter. That's the way I see it. Now, that third rounder, you expect him to work his – he probably has to work himself into it, but you're, you're, you have the talent. You, ha- you have the talent to be a starter. Now, once you – so I, I'm never shocked about that. And the Niners – have they their defenses have been pretty good because they've been able to do that. They've been able they're most of the time they're okay with their first, second, or third rounders when they go defense. Offense, they have a problem. But defensively, they've they've been pretty good at it. So I, I was expecting Fred to be in the lineup. You never expect anyone to be this good unless they are, you know, like, you know, Nick Bosa. He's the number two pick of the draft. He Everybody was like, oh, my goodness, he's this, he's that. I was like, well, guys, he was the number two pick of the draft. He's supposed to be that good. Yeah. I wasn't shocked by it. Now, Kittle, you know, you draft a guy in the fifth round, you're not expecting him to be an all-pro. They got lucky there. And that's that's why I said I, I don't give John – everyone wants to give John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan credit for that. I'm like, I don't give them credit for that. They got lucky. I give them – but Fred Warner, that's who we're talking about. I gave them – credit for Fred Warner because I've said Fred Warner is a guy you drafted you you expected him to be a starter you thought that you saw high-end potential and you were right so 
that's that's that, that's how teams get good. You got to be right on those on those third rounders. I want to transition to the 49ers offense. I mean, there's a lot of hype about Nick Mullins in the offseason, and there were rumors about maybe potentially <laughs> traded, things of that nature. I wanted to ask you, what should Giant fans expect differently from what the 49ers typically usually do with Jimmy Garoppolo when Nick Mullins is the one under center? Um, nothing. Nothing. And I'm hoping that you don't see much much change in it. Kyle is going to run his offense. He's going to try to get the ball out quickly. Now, what what you'll probably see is the decision-making won't be as clean and crisp as you're going to see from Garoppolo. Um, say what you, say, you may about him, but he does get the ball out fairly quickly. He has a quick release. He gets the ball out, and he tries to get it to his guys in stride. Um, Shanahan is going to do that. But, but guys, he, he's a Shanahan, just like his dad. He's going to try to run the ball. If you can't stop the run, he, he, Mike Shanahan would run the ball 70 times if you let him. So will Kyle. <laughs> as, Green, as Green Bay in the playoffs, as the Vikings. If you, if you don't stop the run, he will run the ball forever. And that's what he's going to go into this game doing. So it's, and everything that they do offensively is off of that. They, they, it's, it's run action. They're going to run the ball, run the ball. And then it's not really play action. It's not one of those types where you're going to get in the eye and he's going, and you see that from the giants where they're getting, they're getting the eye formation. It's going to be this fake handoff. They're going to max protect and they'll run a one man route at times. Kyle's not going to do that. He's going to, he's going to give you these stretch zones. He's going to give you the trap plays and then that exact same action and that's why I would say it's run action. It's not play action. That exact same movement, that exact same action, you're going to see a butt-naked hand come out, and then they're going to push the ball down the field with these crossing routes and try to confuse your backers. That's what he's going to do. I think you're going to see the exact same thing. Um, and I'm interested to see this because I want to – I am. I really – and I've been saying this for a while, and I said it going into the season. Everyone's talking about the genius and the brilliance of – of John Lynch and with the new extension and Kyle Shanahan, they gave him a new extension. And I said, guys, I just, the only thing I want to know is can he win without a quarterback? I want to make certain he's not Jason Garrett. <laughs> Jason, I said for years, for years and years and years uh, before, you know, these last few years of people on, I said for years that Jason Garrett was the most quarterback dependent head coach and play call I'd ever seen. And by that, I meant if he had his, his, uh, his 1A quarterback, they could win games. Without it, he couldn't He couldn't come up with the scheme to win games. All I know, Shanahan has had, and I tell everyone, Shanahan's had one good year. So everybody forgets. I was like, you guys do realize for almost a decade, the Niners were bad. They had one good year. Everyone's not all of a sudden trying to do everything that he's doing. I want to see, can he win games without his top-end quarterback? Because even with the Niners, until Garoppolo came, he didn't win games. So I'm hoping, <laughs> answer to your question, I'm hoping that nothing is different within this offense, that they do the exact same things that have made them successful over the past season and the beginning of um, this season. I'm hoping that they do the same things offensively that have made them successful. So Mullins should just be a clone of Jimmy back there. That way I can just like, okay, Shanahan has moved beyond that and he's not Jason Garrett. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think it's interesting because there's a lot of talk, and it sounds like you're not on this bandwagon, but there is a lot of talk that 
hey, listen, Jimmy Garoppolo in a very quarterback-friendly system with a pretty solid offensive line has a $22 million cap hit next year, of which most of it the 49ers can get out of. There's been some scuttle. Maybe, you know, they're a team that could land Sam Darnold if the Jets get Trevor Lawrence with that first draft pick. So I'm interested to see how the whole thing plays out with Jimmy um, and there in San Francisco. And I think this will be an interesting test and barometer for how this offense looks without Jimmy. Um, But speaking of the offense and the rushing attack, because you made it clear, and it's obvious to all the fans of this podcast, because they're they're the nitty-gritty type of fans, that this offense is based on the rushing attack. And last week, the Giants had a really lack of success on defense towards the end of the game against the run on what we felt like were obvious rundowns. And a lot of it has to do with kind of the count, the defenses that defensive coordinator, first year coordinator, Patrick Graham used to counter. He used a lot of bare front. He used a lot of Mm -hmm. lighter fronts, lighter boxes there. And I don't think you can do that against the 49ers. Is that correct? Uh, It wouldn't be wise. (laughs) Um, They are going to, they're going to come downhill. Uh, They are a physical team. They're a tough team. Um, that's how they built their locker room. And the way an offense um, tries to exude its toughness is by running the ball. That, that, that's how an offense shows you that they're tough. Like, we, we are going to sit here and fight you. We're going to put a body on a body, um, and we're going to make you tackle us. And that's, that's the way they play. They, they're nasty that way. I mean, you went out, they went out and added, dialed up the nasty when they went and got – I mean, Joe Staley, very good player. He's a very good player. I mean, you know, he's he's a niner through and through. And one of the best to ever line up and do it. Trent Williams is better. And Trent Williams is nasty. And and he's gonna come, you know, you so they 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 keep adding to that aspect of their team. They they want to be nasty and physical. So um they're going to test, they're going to test the Giants and and whether or not they want to hit. And this is the thing about uh, that I have seen with, with Kyle. And his play calling, even if the run's not um, effective, because they've have they they'll have games where you know you you see Mostert go off and and radio will hit you like he's done the last couple of weeks with these long ones with because they're, they're fast at that position. Although he won't be in the game this week, but uh, it, whether you're getting the gashing runs or there are games where they're averaging two yards a carry and they still run the ball over 30 times. So he's committed to that game. He's committed to that punishment. He's committed to throwing those body blows at you. So, yeah, they, they better be prepared to stop the run. Um, this is not a team that's going to come in with a game plan like you would see with Brady sometimes where they're just going to go empty and throw the ball 50 times. They, they are not going to do that. The only way to get the 49ers into a passing game is to get a lead on them a big lead on them, and still take away the run. Because even when they are behind, he'll run the ball. That's interesting, Eric, to be honest. And I also saw that Jermichael Hasty was a protected player on their practice squad this week amid the injuries to Moster and Tevin Coleman. Do you think you will have a decent role with the Giants, or do you think it will just be the Jarek McKinnon, Jeff Wilson Jr. show? Um, I think that's what it's going to be. I, I think it's going to be McKinnon. McKinnon, they'll throw... They'll throw um, Use check in there some just to keep keep them honest. I expect I expect them to utilize the tight ends a lot more. Uh, yeah, look, because we talked about that offense early on and and the ball getting out in rhythm. So I just look at an extension of that running game being the quick pass, 
I, I think that's what they're going to do. So you'll probably see more screens and and some of those to the tight ends. You're gonna you're gonna see um, a lot more of the jet sweeps and things like that to get the ball out um, on on the edges. I I do believe you'll see a lot more of that. I don't think they're going to really look into getting too many different guys into the mix at the running back, other than the guys that you already mentioned. I think that makes sense, Eric. I think overall the Giants are gonna have to figure out a different way to stop this running attack than they've had to figure out to stop the Steelers in week one and the Bears in week two. So we'll see if they have the horses to do it because me and Nick are of the belief that they simply don't have the inside backers on this roster right now. And they went out and signed someone, Blake Martinez, who became a whipping boy against the 49ers in that playoff game, even though I don't think that was all his fault with the Packers. But And he's a good player against the run, but besides him, it's really light there for the Giants. So we'll have to see what happens there. But one thing I did want to ask before we, you know, before with this great show you've given us, but I, I had to ask you this, Eric. I want to know if you have any opinion, because this is a big talking point among Giants fans, on the safety play of the New York Giants. They got unfortunate. They were hoping to have Xavier McKinney, the rookie out of Bama, play about 99% of the snaps. He was going to be in the box. He was going to be over the slot. He was going to be in the deep half. He got hurt. That's okay. But another player they recently traded for, and he didn't really play that much safety. He kind of played a hybrid linebacker role at Michigan. That's Jabril Peppers. And when we watch Peppers, we, we feel like we're, we're looking for a little bit more. He's in the box a lot. He makes a couple nice fills here and there. But in the passing game, he hasn't been that player we hoped for. Have you gotten a chance to watch any of Jabril Peppers? And what are your thoughts on him as a prospect? Um, I have watched him. It's and you just said he's learning a lot. He's trying they're trying to figure out what to do with him. That that's the that happens to a lot of guys in the league. You see guys come out of college and they're tweeners and you have to figure out where to play them. And and most of the time when you get that box guy that was the safety in college and you're trying to figure it out, they normally work out better at the linebacker position um, because you, you and and just think about this with Peppers. If, if Peppers is in the box, he's at a linebacker position, is he tough enough to tackle? Is he, is he quick enough to uh, deal with the linemen and, and, you know, in a gap scheme and all of that? I think he, I think he is, I think he's tough enough to deal with that. Now in the coverage, he would be covering he would be covering in a shorter space more most of the time more times than not he's working with running backs he's working with tight ends um do you put him at a at an advantage there is your defense at a strength if that's if that's the matchup i think so when you put him out in space can he get caught up with quicker receivers faster receivers he has more ground to, to cover um, things happen a little more quickly out there. I, I think that's a part of it. So a, a lot of it is just figuring out exactly how you want to use this guy, and if you want him to, um, if you want him to fight and keep five, six pounds off of him, or do you want him to just gain twenty and be a linebacker? And and I think a lot of times, I mean, think like Thomas Davis. It's, it's the same situation. Um, Davis played with the Panthers for a long, long time. It was the same situation when he got drafted. They were trying to figure out what to do because he was a safety. So what? So how? Where do we put him with his size? What do we do? And they fattened him up, and he be- he became a damn good linebacker. So that's that's the that's the thing. I, I I I don't think they really know what to do with Peppers. Right. And that that's the issue. When you were a tweener, 
it's it's really hard um, because when they think in the league, if they think you're a jack of all trades, then they never think you are anything, which means they never build around that and they never give you an opportunity to reach your full potential if, when you don't have that label. And, and I think that's I think that's a part of it right now, because you, even in your description of him, when you were asking a question, you were like, OK, he's good in the box. He's this. He's that. Um, but you don't know what he, that makes him a tweener. Right. So it, it's difficult to build around that. Yeah, no doubt. We really want to thank you, Eric, for coming on, taking your time to come on this podcast and talk some shop with us. But I have one more question that I have to ask. And OK. And that is, what was it like having Pete Carroll as your defensive coordinator in San Francisco? Uh, it was great. Pete Carroll's one of the best. Um, um, he's one of the best teachers I ever had. He, I, I, I don't know if I want to call him one or one A because I had two very, very good defensive back coaches that Gray Rhodes and Pete Carroll guys that taught me. Because even when Pete was my coordinator, he was really a DB coach. He loves DBs, loves. Um, and Pete. Pete, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Pete made me a better player. He, he honed in, locked in, and got me to see and lock in on what I was really good at. Because um, we were just talking about Peppers and being, being a tweener. Um, the thing about playing in the NFL, whatever your job is, you have to be efficient at everything that your job re- requires you to do. You, you, you know, you, you have you have to be able to do everything. If you're a DB, you got to be able to play man coverage. You got to play zone coverage. You have to be able to tackle. You have to be able to understand schemes. You have to be able to play bump and run. You have to be able to play uh, in space. Now, those are the things that you are required to do to even make the league. Now, the last, you got to be great at something. That's how you have a career and you're not just a player bouncing around because everybody, you know, go back to Peppers, everyone has talent. Daniel Jones, we were talking about that. Everyone has talent to do their job, but you got to be great at something to last and have a career to be one of those one of those um, lock in guys where you're a core guy. You have to do that. Now, the more things that you are special at, the more things that you are special at, the more you um, that's that's when you become the all pro. That's when you become become the pro bowler. And Pete was able to get me he he is really good at getting a player to visualize what he can be great at and he will have you focus on that and work at that at a level to where you get comfortable and because he's comfortable with you making mistakes in other areas like i want you to do this and there would be days where he would just tell eric this is all i want you to think about there would be weeks where he would hand me film and this is all where he would have special cut ups. All I want you to do is look at this guy when he's in the slot and his releases. And all, that's all I want you to focus on, not allowing this person to do this. And you get so comfortable doing it that it the game slows down to a point. I, I don't know if you guys have seen The Matrix. And yeah. if so, uh, what I've seen that movie too many times, probably like 25 times. But at the end, in the end of it, when all of a sudden Neo realizes that he's in the Matrix and he starts to see everything and the numbers all start to flow and everything slows down, that last fight scene, Pete told me, 
that the game will, when you get comfortable, that the game will eventually do that. And I'm not lying. It happened. I remember standing in front of Jerry Rice one day at practice, and I had gotten so comfortable and focused on what I needed to do to do my job that it was just a faceless number 80 over in front of me. And when the ball snapped, it was like in the matrix. It was like I was fighting Mr. Smith and everything was in slow motion. And that's what Pete is capable of doing. He's that good a coach where he can sit down and get guys to understand, understand this is what you do. And there are very few coaches that are that way where they can teach you the techniques. Ray Rhodes was that way with me and taught me the basics. But Pete took a good player and made him an all pro. He, he taught me how to get to the next level with the foundation that I had been had been given. And um, I am a big Pete Carroll fan uh, as far as as far as his coaching technique, his philosophy, um, his his mindset on getting players to be their best. And he does it in an individual way because. Um, I tell people all the time, I watch Richard Sherman and the 49ers defense. That's what they're running. The the Sala runs Pete Carroll's right. um, defense. I, I, I was Richard Sherman in his defense. But the way he taught Sherm, and I remember when Sherm just got drafted and Pete and I were talking about it, and he was like, E, I think this guy's going to be a good one. He was like, he shouldn't be with this body type. <laughs> and all he was like, he, sh- he was like, but I keep throwing it at him, and he keeps getting it. Now, the way Sherm plays, you know, his his run out style, all the, it was different from the way he taught me how to utilize my skill set because different body type, you know, height, range, foot quickness, you know, hips, all these it's just it's different. But he but that's what I'm he knows how to get a player uh, to utilize his own special gifts to be great at something. And and as I said, the more things you can be great at, that's when you become the pro bowl or the all pro, the, the champs. That's that's how you do those things. And he's he's good at identifying guys that have certain things and getting them to see it. So um, as you can tell, yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a big Pete Carroll fan when it comes to teaching because that's what coaching is. Coaching is teaching, yes. and he's a really good teacher and communicator. And no doubt, Eric. And I think the key thing you said is coaching is teaching, and I feel like. Too many times over the most recent years, the Giants have had a coach who maybe wasn't the best teacher. They brought him in for different reasons. They liked the scheme McAdoo brought in that they thought helped Eli along the way. They liked the same type of idea with Shermer. But from what we've seen so far, and the reason why Nick and I are both a little bit higher than consensus on Joe Judge is he's a teacher first. And that's most important, I think, for the coaches. So. Thanks again for ha- for coming on this podcast, Eric. It was really awesome to have you on and talk football. You you got in the nitty gritty of it, the X's and O's, the stuff that we love here. So before you jump off today, tell everyone where again they can find your podcast on the Believe Network. What's it called? Every way to download it, and then also tell us anything else you want to shout out before you before you jump off. All right, Believe in 49ers. That's what it's called. It's on the Believe Pod- Podcast Network. Um, B L E A V. That's what it is. But it's and it's called Believe in 49ers now. Of course, we talk 49ers, but we talk all football. We talk the league. We talk about everyone, not just their opponents. We talk. We play the hits. So whatever's happening in the league, we we talk about it and we discuss it. Um, but we get, we, of course, it's 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 Niner centric. Uh, but you you will know that you'll get a chance, an opportunity to hear about the things, and we kind of do it. And I I tend to do it in a different manner. Um, 
X's and O's, yeah, we can talk X's and O's and um, stats, but I, but I kind of look at it like guys can get the stats on the phone. You can go to the computer and get your stats. I, I like to talk about what the stats mean. I like to talk about the things that happen and, and how they happen. You know, like the other day, you know, Tyrod, and they were like, what happened in the game? And I, and I, and I said, I said, well, you know, he had injured ribs. And I said, I, I said, probably what happened, and it, it came out. I said, probably what happened uh, because I, I've been there. They give, if, they, if they go in too far at that needle, you can't breathe. Oof. And they were like, what do you mean? I, I said, well, he had broken ribs. And I said, he's not playing without a shot. They got to numb him. And, I, and so and that's what that's what we kind of give. I, I try to give you the real life aspect of being a player um, from the understanding of a guy that played the game for a long time. Um, I've broadcast the game a long time, but when I was a player, I also used to sit in. I, I had the luxury of sitting in with the ownership group. I had owners that I was friends with that wanted me to understand the business. So I understand the business part of it and the front office part of it. Um, so, and we try to give you that insight. That's what we do on, on Believe in 49ers, on the Believe Network. Anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can get it. Wherever they're listening to you, they can pick us up. We're on all the platforms. Um, download it. I appreciate it. Just download it, subscribe, do whatever, listen to it. Um, and, um, you know, we try to keep it interactive that way. And and that's, that's what I got going on. You know, and uh, again, check out athletebrandguard.com um anyone that has an athlete a youngster in their life and, and remember this is about this is about life skills it's it's that's that's what we're really really teaching um through the through the prism of sports we try to get young men and women to understand their worth their value the things that they can do to cause themselves harm the things that they can do to help themselves moving forward with their life. That's what it's all about. That's awesome stuff, Eric. And I'm really glad to hear that you're doing that off the field as well. And again, for those Giants fans who may be falling upon a little hard times, though, again, we're more optimistic than we should be for an ONT team. And when you want ONT team, I should say, when you watch the film, you might be as well. But they're on that 94 championship game, Niners Cowboys, and have a little fun there watching Eric put it to the Cowboys. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.